0: Good morning and uh, let me add my thanks to all you moms and uh, happy Mother's Day to you. Watch it online as well and down on F3 and uh, glad you are with us. We think of um, all the things that uh, our moms have uh, accomplished and done in our life and we can't even begin to think uh, of of the list of things. Uh, some of uh, our moms uh, are here are, and are with us. Uh, others, like my mom, is uh, in heaven and uh, enjoying um, uh, the Lord and uh, resting from uh, her labors of, uh, of raising me, I guess. But um, someone wrote down job titles of, of moms, and uh, there, there are many of them. So here's uh, part of the list. Moms are, uh, wear the title of nurse. They're professional boo-boo fixers, scrape soothers, magical bruise healers. They wear the title of uh, professional cleaning service. They're crumb vacuum uppers, they're face wiper uppers, they're dishwashers. They are also professional chefs, combos with waitressing and snack making and pizzeria chef. They're professional referees. They're fight-breaker-uppers, they're mediators, they're tantrum-tamers. Say that 10 times fast. They're, of course, teachers. They're homework helpers. They're examples of living moral lives. They're explainers of right and wrong. They're professional chauffeurs. They're seat-buckle-uppers. They're car seat installers. They're car DJers. They're life coaches. They are personal stylists they help with hair, they help with outfit planning, they're personal shoppers. They're like a professional entertainer. They're singers, performers, actresses, they're lullaby soothers, they're they're magicians, they're personal audio book tellers. They're sleep coaches, professional sleep coaches. They're nap negotiators, they're monster slayers, they're nightmare soothers. They're a professional investigator. They find all the missing things, they question those who fight, they, they find out who wrote on the wall with crayons. They're a dental hygienist. They are the brusher of teeth, They're the tooth, toothpaste uh, putter honors. They're the uh, walking encyclopedias, they're the uh, professional laundry services, and on and on and goes. They're the lifeguard, they're the swim instructor, the sunscreen applicator. they're the pet caregiver, and on and on and goes all that you have done and continue to do moms we are very very grateful Uh, where would we be without you but having said all of that we need something more than moms in our life and that is we need each other take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Romans chapter 12 we're continuing our study of Romans and as we've already looked at and been reminded of this morning romans chapter 12 1 and 2 begins this practical section of the book i urge you brethren by the mercies of god to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to god which is your spiritual service of worship the essence of the christian life is defined in that verse worshipers of god as we talked about last week and don't be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And what that that life of worship consists of is a renewed mind so that we can see life properly and having been transformed by that renewing of the mind, we live out a life that aligns itself with the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And starting in verse 3, as we continue in this passage of Romans, starting in verse 3, Paul begins to explain what that renewed mind can look like or should look like, first and foremost. And it has to do with a proper estimation of who we are. It's an understanding, understanding of of our, our perspective of how God views us, who we are. Look at verse 3. It says, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, sober judgment, as God has allotted to each or has measured out a measure of faith the word to think if you see that underlined four times the uh, the word or a form of the word to think is used uh, paul is first and foremost concerned about how we view ourselves and not that we have he's not concerned that we have a low esti- estimation of ourselves he's concerned that we have a high estimation he said do not think more highly that's the first word it's a compound word to think highly to think above yourself Don't think more highly of yourself as you ought to think, but to think with sober, sound, rational, reasonable judgment about yourself. There's two options laid out here that Paul is saying. We can either have an overly high estimation of ourselves, or we can have a proper, a right, a reasonable, a correct understanding of ourselves. And that's what Paul is asking of us. Don't think more highly of yourselves. Think carefully. He goes on and says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, then according to the proportion of his faith, if service and his serving. He who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, or he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, the beginning of a list of things called spiritual gifts. Now there's five principles in this passage of how we are to be living out the Christian life in regards to one another. That first principle is the principle of humility. Don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But think with sound judgment according to, on the basis of, the last part of verse 3 says, as God has allotted or has measured out a measure of faith. Now what does he mean by that? It's an interesting phrase. Our estimation of ourselves, Paul is saying, needs to come down to an understanding of how God has allotted to each of us, has measured out to each of us a measure of faith. So, so many things that, that um, today that, can, uh, that we're being asked or called upon to, to uh, judge ourselves by or our, our fix our identity on. It, 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 I mean, it's all over, right? This, they call it identity politics or we're all caught up in, in our identity. What's your educational level? What kind of job do you have? Where were you born? What side of the tracks were you, were you from? I mean, what's, the, what's your gender? What's your skin color? What, this is, our identity is made up of so many different things. And we begin to fall into that, and we begin to see ourselves in light of all these worldly ways that we are depicted, or that we see ourselves. And God is saying, wait, 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 wait Wait a minute. Be careful how you think about yourself. Think soundly, soberly, rationally. Have God's perspective on who you really are. And he says, it's according to, see that in verse 3? As, or according to, as, God has measured out to you a measure of faith. That is what is important. Now, in the context in the context Paul is saying here, God has measured out to each of us as believers a measure of faith as it is lived out in a spiritual gift in how we are placed within the body of Christ, how we contribute to the body of Christ. That is the way we are to think about ourselves, identify ourselves, how we fit into the body of Christ. Not in light of our education, our successes of life, our job status, but how we fit into the body of Christ. And it's God who grants this. Paul uses himself as the primary example. Look at again, the beginning of verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to you this. Paul is saying, who am I? Let me tell you who I am. I am someone who's been graced by God, by the mercies of God, Paul is saying, because of what God has done in my life, I am defined by his grace in my life. He says it differently in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but similarly, he says, for I am the least of the apostles, not fit to be even called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace turned me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but it was God's grace within me. And what Paul is asking of us, what the Holy Spirit is asking of us, is to begin to to see ourselves, understand ourselves in light of God's mercies, in light of God's grace in our life, and specifically in this passage, how He has measured out to us, a measure of his his grace in our life to serve him in faith and serve the body of Christ. The first principle is a principle of humility, a proper understanding, not more highly of ourselves, but in light of God's grace in our life. Because if we don't have that proper understanding, The danger is that we can very easily begin to isolate ourselves and thinking that maybe we don't need each other. Humility. Practical Christianity begins, lived out Christianity, transformed Christianity begins by understanding who we really are in Christ, which leads to a second principle that he talks about, and that's the principle of unity. Notice verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, all members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. One of the first things that Paul emphasizes here is how we should live out our life in community, in the fellowship of believers, in an understanding of our oneness in Christ. Now, it's logical that Paul would go there because I think It's very natural for mankind not to live in unity, but to begin to focus on our differences. And it causes us to isolate ourselves from one another. It's a great tool of Satan to cause uh, divisions within the body to uh, break down that unity that is naturally and logically there because we're all one body in Christ. Take your Bibles just for a moment and go to Ephesians Chapter 4, Paul develops this a little further in Ephesians chapter 4. This idea of the principle of unity. Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 1, he says, Therefore, therefore I say, the, I, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. With all humility... And gentleness and patience showing tolerance for one another in love verse 3 being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace the implication there is we are one in Christ we just got to work at preserving that unity maintaining that unity and he goes on in verse 4 seven statements of oneness we're one body one spirit Just as you were also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. The unity that we have in Christ, the principle of of unity, and seeing ourselves as connected together as as one. Now That's hard, again, it's hard to do. Um, Satan would love to to separate us. And um, It's easy to kind of give each other (laughs) reasons to do that. As the one wag said, uh, to dwell above with saints we love, oh, that's glory. But to dwell below with saints we know, (laughs) that's another story. And so we have this call uh, to manifest and live out the shared life in Christ. We have the unity, preserve it. Preserve it. There's so many things that can separate us. And hasn't that been true in this even in this crazy COVID time? I mean, there's masks, non-masks. There's vaccinations, non-masking. There's this and that and all sorts of other things. And we begin to isolate ourselves. We can actually look down upon one another. There's so many things that can separate us. There's cultural diversity. There's financial diversity. There's educational diversity. There's um, ethnic diversity. There's doctrinal diversity. Um, One of the interesting, fun, and at times challenging things of Fellowship Bible Church over the 31 years I've been here is the doctrinal diversity that comes in. And I find it energizing. I mean, I don't have a corner on the truth, and we come together. This Word of God is true, but there's diversity in our thinking and how we approach it. And it's been exhilarating at times to just say, okay, let's come together and figure this out together. And we may still walk away and disagree. But what Paul is saying here is that we have to be diligent to preserve the, the unity of the Spirit because that is what we have. It's not just amongst ourselves. It's, there's, a, there's a unity even within the body of Christ you know, locally. This very morning, there are brothers and sisters in Christ that are meeting in this community other than in this building. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, They may think a little more doctrinally different than us. There may be, some may be more high church, more liturgical. Some may be more charismatic. Some may be different shades of this and that. But if we name the name of Christ, and he is our Savior, there is a oneness, a bond in Christ. Uh, Once a month, there's a group of us local pastors that get together just to pray for one another. We've been doing that for on and off for many, many years. And I find it very, very encouraging. Eighteen years ago when I went into uh, my surgery for cancer, five in the morning at Winchester Medical Center, five in the morning, who's there but three of these pastors waiting there for me to, to pray with me because we're brothers in Christ. Um, it, it's a wonderful thing to understand that. There's diversity, but we are one in Christ and we don't let those differences separate us as much as the world would want that to happen, and Satan would certainly want it to happen, there is the principle of unity. We are one body in Christ. However, having said that, there's also the principle of diversity. Look at verse 6 again in Romans chapter 12. Verse 6, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And we're to exercise them accordingly. And then he gives a list of Of gifts spiritual gifts there's there's differences that we have in terms of how we are to function within the body of Christ now this idea of spiritual gifts we haven't talked about that for probably a long time here at Fellowship Bible Church Um, but let me give you just a quick definition of a spiritual gift it's a supernatural enablement or ability which God sovereignly bestows he sovereignly gives through his holy spirit to every believer that enables them to serve god and to serve others in specific ways a supernatural enablement an ability that god gives to his children individually he he measures out that measure of faith and it's to be used for his glory and to serve and benefit the body of Christ. So stop and think about that for a moment. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, the moment you trusted Christ as your personal Savior, uh, His presence came into your life. Uh, the Holy Spirit indwells you. We talked about that. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But along with that, God imparted to you, placed within you, a, a certain enablement, a spiritual gift, uh, an ability that came from Him, a gift to you to be used for His glory and to benefit the body of Christ. Every believer in Jesus Christ has this spiritual giftedness, and um, there are passages like this, or in Ephesians four, or First Peter. I think I've got a verse here in 1st Peter chapter 4 as an example each one is received as each one is received a special gift employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God whoever speaks do so as speaking the utterances of God whoever serves do it as one who's serving by the strength which God supplies um, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever amen Each one has received, he says, a special gift. Now, um, and this morning is not meant to spend the rest of the time talking about spiritual giftedness. Let me just say this. Let me reiterate that again. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you have a special ability that has been placed there by God that you would not have prior to coming to faith in jesus christ and it is to be used for the benefit of the body say not well okay what what how do i find that out Um, i'm not and paul doesn't give us uh, a particular formula this is what you do or you know go back to the this book and there's a you know and follow these steps and you will find out what your spiritual gift is i don't want to oversimplify but let me just say this If we go back to Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, which we don't have time to do, but if we went back to Romans 6, 7, and 8, and it talked about how we are to walk in accordance, especially chapter 8, in the power of the Spirit of God, as we are focused on Him, as we present ourselves to Him, Romans 12, 1 and 2, as a living, holy sacrifice, as we say, here I am, Lord, take my life and let it be, consecrated, holy to Thee, here I am, God use me the spirit of god will move in your life in such a way that you will begin to function and and find that niche and you will be directed by the holy spirit of god and you will start using that gift that he's given you and you might not even know it because you're walking according to the power of his spirit but people will know it because when you're using that special enablement that god has given you people are blessed because that's what the point of it is for. The diversity of the body is to encourage and to to strengthen and to build up the body of Christ in each other's lives through that spiritual giftedness. So as we're rightly focused on Him, not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind, starting first with a proper estimation of myself in light of who I am in Christ and the giftedness in which he's given me, and I just step out in faith and begin saying, God, here I am. And sensitive to his leading, that giftedness starts coming out in our life. And it happens in very interesting ways in different people's lives. We, we asked some folks here at Fellowship Bible Church this week, um, why are you serving here? What, 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 where do you serve? How is God using your gifts? Eric, who is part of our tech team, and he also helps with uh, as the adult um, volunteer in our youth ministry with the tech, he says, combining my passion for sharing Christ and the enjoyment I get with helping with audio and working with youth, it adds up, he says, to fun and rewarding opportunities to serve Christ. And then there's Bill here at FBC who serves as a small group leader. He said, I serve to be faithful to use what God has given me. And although I stumble in many ways through his help, I persevere to help others in their faith. Jackie said this. She serves behind the scenes to help to help our admins during the week. She said, I, I serve because even though I'm retired, I want to use the skills God has gifted me. I like serving in the office because after working in a church office for decades, I appreciate what the staff does behind the scenes. And I want to come alongside and support them when and where I can and give them extra bandwidth in their areas of ministry. And then there's Josh who down there in F3, Josh said I serve because God asks us to use our gifts and to build up the body. And I find great joy in serving the F3 community. Or Barry who serves with our students, he says I love work on the teenagers. I think because I got saved as a teenager, I love to relate to where they are in life. And I love the opportunity to share life with them and to glorify God and help them see their life as they begin making it their own. Elizabeth, she serves down in kids' zone worship. She says, I just love music and I love kids and I want to be a place to serve with my family. Or Chris, with joy ministry. She said, it is a privilege to work with children that are challenged. And as I attempt to show these children they're not forgotten and they're loved by God, they show me joy in the little things in life. Or Stephen, he serves on on our welcome team, he says, mine, it's a blessing to serve at FBC. It is a goal to help people and at the same time serve our Lord and Savior. You can't make the entire world a better place, but you can make the, the space that God blesses you with better, a friendly place where people enjoy seeing you and enjoy being there each week. Or Susan on the welcome team says, I've enjoyed rich community and solid teaching for more than 25 years at Fellowship Bible Church. I've chosen to serve at FSAT to extend an invitation to others to experience the same rich community and teaching along with an ever-deepening relationship with our Lord. And I could read on and on and on. There's more and more. Becky serves with the deaf ministry. God has given me the skill and a passion to spread the gospel to the deaf community and unreached people groups in the United States. Mike and Laura are greeters. God has given us the skill and a passion to spread the gospel, or no, uh, seeing not only familiar faces each week, but welcoming new folks as they begin to brace their experience at FBC. It is such an honor and such a blessing. Thank you to those of you who have just made these contributions uh, to share. And, you know, folks, the opportunities are as creative as God is creative in using gifts to, to serve. Uh, here are some that we listed. What are you passionate about? Baking? Singing? Yeah, baking. You know, like, I can making those good cinnamon rolls that we give out to visitors and others of you who go back there and cheat and take them and tell them you're a visitor. Singing or teaching or mowing grass or fixing things or drawing or designing, playing an instrument, listening to others, hosting, being hospitable, helping people, giving medical care, being tech savvy, writing, playing games with kids, building things, creative planning, on and on and on it goes. So many opportunities. Every believer in Jesus Christ has been given a special enablement by His Holy Spirit to benefit the body of Christ. And while I'm at it, let me just mention a couple things that we have here going on. It's already referred to, Dave mentioned it already, but it's serving in our Fellowship Kids ministry. Tuesday, May 18th, we're going to do a kind of an info, rally information meeting about uh, the need to help with our children's ministry. We want to kick off in the fall our full-orb children's ministry again, post-COVID. We need about 50, 60 workers so we can crank up the 9 o'clock children's ministry again. Or being a leader, a host of a community group. Uh, we surveyed the congregation not long ago, and there's something like 100 to 200 people that are desiring to get involved in a community group, and we need some community group leaders. Um, counselors and our biblical counseling ministry. Uh, we have a waiting list of people Calling and saying, uh, needing to get connected with what we call intensive discipleship. That's our counseling ministry. So if you want to be involved in some way, you can go to our website. We also have a really neat way of of connecting and finding how to serve here at FBC. You go to our website, you can call our church office or uh, various ways that um, you can uh, find out how to be involved in. The, The point here is that there's a rich diversity within the body of Christ diversity because God brings that about by placing within us measuring out a measure of faith of uh, of different graces that he gives to us spiritual enablements to benefit the body of Christ Uh, we are a diverse body and uh, it's for the honor and glory of God let me mention a fourth principle And that's the principle of interdependence. Just to go back to verse 5 in this passage, Paul says, So we who are many are one body in Christ, but we're individually members one of another. We're many, yet one, but we're interdependent. We're individually members of one another. We all need each other. The Christian life was not meant to be lived in isolation. Now, I realize it's been difficult this past year plus. Uh, We're enjoying greeting people who are coming back for the very first time into kind of the life and fellowship of the body from the post-COVID days, and though we're still in the COVID days, but uh, getting back into the life of of church life. But this idea of kind of, It's kind of an American way of thinking, kind of rugged individualism, which there's a mentality that says I really don't need you and I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps and I I can make this life work. Um, The principle of interdependence is difficult sometimes because people have hurt us. (laughs) You get close to people and all of a sudden... uh, you find that people disappoint. And um, there's probably people in this room who have been bruised and battered and hurt by others, even Christians. And it's very easy to all of a sudden just build that wall of isolation. The Bible says we can't afford to do that, we are individually members of one another. I had some uh, hand surgery done this week down at UVA and it it hurts. It even hurts this morning. And, you know, you, you get you get an owie and, you know, you, you, all of a sudden everything else seems to hurt too. Well, as a body of Christ, that's what happens. We're going to go into that uh, next week with the uh, our fifth principle which i'm not going to develop this morning but the principle of authentic love when one member suffers we all suffer we're to weep with those who weep. we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and so we're interdependent upon one another but um that can get messy but the alternative of of isolationism is far more damaging Um, my grandparents were married in 1912, Floyd and Leona Carey. And soon after they were married, uh, this young couple uh, moved out to Wyoming, eastern Wyoming, and homesteaded. The government said that you could stake out a claim, 640 acres, and if you lived on it for five years, it's yours. And so actually the government would bet people that they couldn't do it, But my grandpa and grandma went out there and had initially a little sod house and then uh, grandpa erected a little something more permanent. My grandma was willing to go on one condition. She could bring her piano. She wanted something of culture. They were miles away from anybody else. 65 miles away from any town. They would go weeks without seeing people, raising four little small kids. One of them, my dad, who when he was two and a half years old, fell into the well out on that little homestead my granddad was in that town 65 miles away getting supplies and he wasn't around and so grandma had a little two-and-a-half year old boy crying down in the bottom of the well isolated no one around so she jumps on the horse and goes across some some hills and runs into lo and behold and I, I, this to sound weird it almost sounds like the beginning of a joke but she runs into a Mexican sheep herder a Mexican sheepherder out in the prairie there of eastern Wyoming, and he comes and helps pull my dad out of the well, and then he runs and and goes uh, a day traveling to get a doctor and comes back another day later with a doctor to help set my little dad at that time, two-and-a-half-year-old dad's arm. He had to suffer with that for a couple of days before a doctor could get out there. Now, there was a sense of rugged individualism In my grandparents a young couple with four little kids all alone out there in the prairie but by george they sure learned how important it is to be connected with people they shored up that claim for five years and boy they hightailed it back to civilization to be around others rugged individualism only goes so far folks we need each other this is what this passage is saying And if we have too high of an estimation of ourselves, guess what? We're going to walk away with a sense, I don't need you. That is a lie from hell. (laughs) We need each other. So let's think rightly about ourselves, and let's understand the principle that we're all one in Christ. We are a body, and when one member suffers, we all suffer. When one part hurts, it, it affects us all. And yet there's great diversity, Because God has imparted, has measured out a measure of giftedness to every one of us. Not to be held in our private little times. It's it's to be given away, to be serving the body of Christ because we are interdependent upon one another. We need each other. The church is not some institutionalized organization. It's a living organism where we need each other. And Paul is simply saying on the heels of verse 1 and 2, what true and the essence of Christian living is, a life of worship and honoring to Him, it begins with a proper estimation of me and a proper estimation of you within the body of Christ. For no man is an island. That's what John Dunn wrote, 1623, the gifted English poet. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of a continent, a part of the main. And if a clod be washed away by sea, Europe is less, as well as if a a promontory were, as well as any manner of thy friends or thine own were. Any man's death diminishes me, because I am involved in mankind. And therefore it never sinned to know for whom the bell tolls, for it tolls for thee. What Don was saying, you can hear the The bell toll. There's a funeral going on down the street. The the cathedral bell is tolling for whom? Well, ultimately it's tolling for me because I'm part of this humanity. And that's true in the body of Christ like no other entity. We need each other. That's the bottom line. No man is an island. Are you connected to the body of Christ here at Fellowship? There's ways to experience that oneness in very powerful ways like getting involved in a small group, getting plugged in with a community group this summer. Ladies, um, there's going to be 12 weeks of a, of a ministry of, of teaching and then fellowship together called Flourish. It's going through some psalms, selected psalms this summer. Go online. Find out how to get involved in that. Guys, uh, Crack of Dawn, is getting back together again. You did Zoom for many, many weeks, and uh, I talked to one of the guys this week who said, we were together again, Thursday morning, crack of dawn, face to face with so many, and there's just this enjoyment of fellowship with one another. Uh, Biblical training class upstairs? Where are you finding that connectedness? And where are you finding the the blessing and the joy of serving in the body of Christ. There's nothing like the body of Christ. There's nothing like the church of Jesus Christ when it's humming on all cylinders. It is the greatest thing on life. There is no other organization, no other club or gathering that holds a candle to what the body of Christ is designed to be and to do. A couple of days ago I was sitting with Don Denhartog. As many of you know Don and Patty uh, lost their daughter, Christy, to a valiant six-year battle with cancer. And the service was this last week in Omaha, Nebraska. The other day I'm sitting with Don and he was saying, I don't know, and, and, and you've probably have all said this sometime or another, I don't know how people can go through What my family's gone through without the body of Christ the encouragement the support the the notes the calls just the 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 love the giftedness in various ways that have come into their life they were deeply grateful in the midst of the great pain and loss there's nothing like the body of Christ are you plugged in are you serving Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for a reminder from your word of how deeply um, important and beneficial it is uh, to be connected in the body of believers in a local church. It can be a place of of the greatest joy, of the greatest fulfillment, of the greatest experience of, of life and doing life together. Yes, Lord, we're all sinners and we're all imperfect and it can be a place where there's hurt sometimes. And as we talk about authentic love in the next few weeks in verse 9 and following, Lord, I pray that you'll just teach us and, and transform us by the renewing of our mind in that. But as we journey this wretched life in this fallen world of sin, a world that is gripped in the the hands of the evil one, oh, Father, to be able to do it together, the bride of Christ, the, the body of Christ, what a blessing that you've given us. May we rejoice together as we do life together, serving one another, with what you have measured out to us in the measure of faith. Help us, O Father, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to think rightly of our placement in the body and how we can serve one another and be a part of the the life of the, the church of Jesus Christ. I pray this for your glory in Christ's name. Amen.